How's it going? Yeah, good, both of you. Cool. The rest of you are horrible, apparently. Um, yeah, the hair is gone. Everybody keeps saying, what happened to all your hair? It, it, I, I got it cut. Um, that's what happened. I've been telling everybody we had the full American experience. So we went to Super Walmart, got the tires changed, got a haircut, got a 40-pound bag of dog food. So it's, that, was my, that was my Saturday. It was good fun. And we did baby registry stuff, too. Have you, ever, have, have you, got, have you guys gotten to register for anything yet? Well, you guys are going to get to do that. You get the gun? Oh, man. It's like, what is appropriate to register for and what is not? You know, like, especially in a baby registry. Is a 55-inch flat-screen TV okay to register for for a baby? I, those were the questions that I had. Um, apparently, that's not appropriate, and some people find that offensive, so we didn't do that. But, <laughs> hey, it's good to be back with you guys. Before we dive in, I want to make a couple announcements of a few things going on. Um, one, one of the... Uh, things we're really, 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 really excited about. It's my favorite time of year around here at Bethany, and it is Easter. It is uh, my favorite holiday. It goes Easter and Thanksgiving, and then all the other ones fall wherever they fall. But man, I, I like Christmas. I, I mean, I'm not like a Christmas hater, but uh, but it's not my favorite. I, I really like it. And who doesn't like Thanksgiving was made for me. It's like, hey, we're going to give you turkey, mashed potatoes, and football all day. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I really like that one a lot, too. But uh, we have uh, w- w- this year we're doing it a little bit differently. We, we normally do a Good Friday service on, on Friday night, but we're adding a Thursday night service this week as well. So in four days, three nights of church, okay? Um, I know that seems like a lot, but we, like I said, we really like the Easter season around here. I think it's extremely important. We're doing a Thursday night, uh, Holy Thursday. We're doing it all on the Lord's Supper um, and then Friday is Good Friday, and that's my personal favorite time of the year to preach because um, I'm dark like that. And, uh, and then Tom will be preaching Sunday. We, we strongly encourage you. It's, it's not as big of a deal for Good Friday, or we don't really know what to expect on Thursday, but for the Easter Sunday service, if you're planning on coming, come early and bring people. It, we've, we've had an issue with putting everybody in here on Easter. It's a good problem to have, but people coming early gives us an idea of us needing to add seats, and we're actually setting up video feeds into a couple other rooms for that service if we need it. And uh, and unless you're a member, if you're a member of Bethany, we're going to ask members to use those first so guests can come in. So just a heads up on, on that. Um, we, we, we want everybody to be in here with us, but if it's not possible, it's not possible. So uh, that's coming up. Also, uh, very excited about this. Um, there's, there's a former um, football player and wrestler, yeah, you guys aren't going to see me the whole time. They just figured it out. Don't worry. My pregnant wife won't, won't bite you or anything, you know. <laughs> she just can't. Ah, now everybody's going to move over there. So, uh, but a former wrestler and football player from Western State College, he's now a UFC fighter named Shane Carwin. Uh, we're going to be hosting some sort of big party for that fight night. Uh, so it'll be open to general public. Uh, it's the 27th will be the date of that. We're not sure where we're going to do it yet. It's like $2,000 for us to host it here um, as compared to somebody's house. So if you just want to cough up two grand for us to do it here, that'd be great. But if not, we'll let you know where we're going to do that at. Um, so the, more information will be coming forth on that. And then also last thing, and then I promise I'm done with announcements. Uh, if you notice when you came in, we had a slideshow playing. And that's from a, a good friend of ours, Mike Perman. He's a member here. He was our missions coordinator, and uh, we made him the missions coordinator. 
and then one day later he lost his job, and then one week later he moved into the mission field. So he didn't last long as our missions coordinator, about one week, but that's why we put him there. And so he's down in Gallup, New Mexico at the Navajo Indian Reservation, working on building a church down there and getting that up and going and a school down there. And so we're sending people back and forth down there. If you want to give supplies or go, you can talk to me. I'm Austin here. He's probably somewhere in the church praying over there. He'll, he'll be out here afterwards, but uh, talk to him. He's actually going down there with Marlene Shahan. Um, do you know when he's doing that? Anybody know? Spring break? Okay. So if you want to do something like that over spring break, that's available, and it's pretty cheap and easy one to do just because it's in New Mexico. So talk to him about that if you're interested. Man, I just seriously, like, burnt my tongue in my mouth so bad. I just ate my dinner in, like, two seconds, and it was a microwavable pizza, and I can't feel my mouth right now. So if I start drooling, I mean, I really feel like that might happen. So I'm just warning you. It's just there, and it hurts. Um, I don't know what you do for that, but it's, that's how it is. Hey, uh, tonight is an interesting night. We're in part two of our Speak Life series. Um, this week is on love. Now, the interesting thing about the doctrine of love, and yes, it is a doctrine of Jesus, um, and that's a good thing. Doctrine a lot of times gets associated with negative, boring, lame, but it's a really good thing, okay? And, and you know, we teach a lot of things here in, in uh, is it 1 Timothy 3.16? Um, where, where, where it talks about the Bible is good for a lot of things, basically. Um, there, there you go. All scripture that we teach here is, is all of these things. But you have to understand that there's certain things that if you don't get it, a lot of the other things don't really matter. Okay? Um, Jesus is an important one. Right? The cross is an important one. Right? Love is a really important doctrine. As a Christian community, if we don't get this, we just we, we miss the boat. And, and here's the scary thing, and this, is, and this is my fear, and I like to give you guys, in a sense, a bit of my fear in things before we dive into it, is that uh, a, a lot of Christians have missed the boat on this one. It, it, it's, it's really interesting how Christians have been portrayed, w- whether true or false, as pretty unloving people. Generally now, in my conversations, uh, and, and the way that I, I get this isn't from, I have no empirical data to back this up. It's from me working at least one day a week in a coffee shop and having conversations with people that most of them don't view my faith as a very loving faith. Now, I can challenge that on the aspect of, I bet my definition of love may look a little different. Because what's the one verse that everybody in the world has memorized right now? And it's only part of it. It's judge not. I hear that one all the time. But it's totally out of context. And it's like, well, you judge me. It's like, no, no, no. It's somebody telling you that you're killing yourself is loving you. Do you see how, how, how that goes? Don't judge me. Well, if you continue down this path, your wife's going to leave you. That's me loving you. So you see how like this whole topic of love is really sensitive, and we really need to wrap our minds around it and really grasp this in the way that the Bible teaches. We really need to get that. That is first and foremost. And so we're going to be spending most of our time in 1 John chapter 4 tonight. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but generally that's where I'm going to be. Uh, it's so crazy because Tom actually picked this scripture. We prepare our sermons together. You're generally getting 
similar sermon to the morning one. It's a little different, but uh, this chunk of scripture has just been rocking my world lately. First John, that book has just been in my head, and I can't get it out. I just keep going there and going there. So I'm really excited about this. I don't know if you can tell. I'm amped, and I've only had one cup of coffee tonight. So uh, it, it's, it's just that I'm that excited. Now, we've done the word love some pretty uh, just bad injustice, Right? Uh, it, it's interesting. I, I heard Matt Chandler put it this way one time. He, he, he said, we, we put these phrases in, 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 in the same grouping with the word love. It's like, um, I love my wife. True. I love tacos. True. <laughs> Very different. Don't worry, darling. I love you a lot more than tacos. Okay? But do you see how we've done that? We've taken a concept like love, and it's like, I love lamp. For example, um, or it's a movie. Some people are like, what? Um, <laughs> or, or just, oh, I love that. I mean, we just say that. But then, but then we'll, we'll say, I love Jesus, or I love God, or I love my spouse, or I love my brother, I love my sister, I love my friend. That's it's very different. And part of it is just our, our, our language. It has barriers to it. We're, we're limited. And, and it's really interesting that, English is pretty much the only one where we have one word for the word love. In, in, in the Hebrew, I, there's multiple. And, and they keep finding more as they, as they study the dead language of Hebrew, that they're finding more and more. That there's a lot of forms of the word love. That there's a way that God loves unconditionally. There, there's, that there's a way that, that you love romantically. There's a way that you love friendship. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Okay, so we've really limited it. So I want to give us a good idea about this. Now, the interesting thing about love, though, is it is the, the reason this topic is so pertinent for all of us in here tonight is this the one thing I guarantee you that every single person in here wants. And if you say, I don't need love, you're lying. And the reason you're saying that is because somebody didn't love you appropriately. That's my experience. And it, and. and I mean, let's just think about it, guys. Can, can we, small group, uh, I, I love teaching to the size of a group, but can we just be really honest with each other tonight that, that we do insane things to be loved? And sometimes it's good, right? Think of good things, right? So if, if you're in a dating relationship right now, I mean, you'll do anything, right? Like, especially if you really fall in love with this person and, and, and it's the situation where, where, where you're like, I think I can marry this person. It's like, you'll do anything. I mean, you do crazy things, right? I remember when Ari and I were dating, I lived, I, I lived on another side of town. I, I would ride my bike over at times in winter in Gunnison to go see her. That, that, that to me is crazy because I hate the freezing cold, okay? Like, I was willing to do that at all hours of the night. But at the same time, same token that we'll do that, that we'll do crazy things for love in, in that way, we'll do crazy things to seek out love that doesn't build us up, that I would say ruins us. Uh, I, I, I deal regularly with people coming into my office who are dealing with substance abuse, why? If I really dig down to it, it's because a lot of them tell me, well, I'm trying to kill a feeling that is missing from within me. I'm trying to get rid of something. I'm hurt because of a lack of love. So therefore, if I sedate myself, if I get, if I get myself in this mental state where I don't care anymore, it doesn't hurt. 
Or one of the saddest things, and it just breaks my heart because I have four sisters. I have a wife who's pregnant with a little girl, so I'm learning to really, 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 really like little girls a lot and just like I'm, I'm fascinated by them because they're so different than me that they, they, they play with different toys than little boys do like I mean they, they just blow my mind but 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 there, there's these girls that I meet or women that I meet that come into my office and they give themselves to a man who does not care about them in any shape or form to get a cheapened imitation version of love. I mean, that should just break our hearts. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, if you're sitting here and you're a Christian guy and you do that, you need to repent of that junk. I mean, I'm not one for booting people out of church, but dudes who use women for that kind of stuff, I got very little patience with you. We'll pray for you, but we're gonna treat you like a man needs to be treated and you need to be told to Stop. Because they're just doing so much damage. I see it so much more now in my work than I ever thought it would exist. So we do crazy things for love, right? Um, the, the lack or, or removal of love is the goal of Satan. You need to understand that before we dive into the scripture. The lack of or removal of love is the goal of Satan. Is the goal of the enemy. He wants to remove love from your life. Just think about it. If... Um, the lack or removal of love is the cause of, well, all sin. It's the cause of poverty, right? It's the cause of greed. It's the cause of war. It's the cause, I mean, you can go down the line. Because if we truly loved as we're going to see as Christ calls us to love, the world would look very different. And here's the interesting thing, is that he's calling his church to be exactly that. Tom said this this morning, and I thought it, it impacted me. There's certain things that people say that I just stick with me, and I think this one will. He said, uh, he said, love is life's deepest pleasure. Love is life's deepest pleasure. Lack of it is life's deepest pain. So with love, it's our deepest pleasure, greatest joy. Lack of it is our deepest pain. Okay, I know I just beat that to death to make sure that we understood that what we're talking about tonight is pretty important. Love is very important. The crazy thing is that God desires crazy love for you. Insane love for you. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 38. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Um, maybe. There it is. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is, this is to all Christians. That is the great and first commandment. So understand this. Loving God, number one. All things are going to flow from this. What I'm going to be talking about a lot tonight is a flow. You're going to see that it has to start in the right place for it to end up in the place God intended. You catch that, okay? So, so, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The first, remember this, the first is loving God. The second is loving your neighbor. 
It happens in order. And we're going to see more and more of that. But here's the thing is that God wants crazy love to flow from his people. And I mean insane love. I'm talking ridiculous love. And we're going to talk more and more about that as we go on. Um, the way to, you want to know the way to love others? I mean, it's something we all strive for. You want to know the best way to love your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your, or your fiance or your spouse? Love God first. You want to know the best way to love somebody is you put your love in God first. You put your love in Jesus and his sacrifice and understanding him and growing into a deep relationship with him first. And then you'll learn how to love others better. I promise that's the way it was intended to go. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, it starts out this way. Beloved, this is a letter to us, and he's calling us. The interesting thing, and I promise I'll go much quicker. I'm not going to do this word by word tonight for you, okay? It's not going to go that way, but, but we have to stop there for a second and understand that this is the exact same word that's used for Jesus when God looks down on him. Um, I'll show you Matthew 3.17. Matthew 3, 17, there it is. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is at Jesus' baptism. It's a beautiful picture, right? We get this picture of the clouds opening up. Jesus is getting baptized. He's getting ready to go into his ministry. And here we have have God saying, this is my beloved son. And our scripture here in 1 John, he opens up the letter with the exact same word that God uses for Jesus. Beloved, it's the same thing. Or um, let's check this one out, uh, Matthew 17, 5. Matthew 17, 5. And, and what this story is, is this is the transfiguration on the, uh, on the mount. Um, this is, uh, <laughs> it's just a crazy, let me just read it and I'll explain a little bit more. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and the voice from this cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is God talking about Jesus. And here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, we have, it's saying exactly this, beloved to us. You need to understand that God loves you a lot. A lot. Like a stupid amount. Okay? I mean, I don't really know how else to put it. I know that sounds just dumb, but I mean, sometimes you just lack words to explain this, and we'll, we'll see more of this as we go. Okay, let's actually read the scripture. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You see the flow here I talked about? Let us love one another, for love is from Who? from God. It's really interesting to me that, um, that you you know what's really unique about God and how he operates is that uh, even if you choose not to believe in him, um, you're still going to glorify him in one way or another. I'll explain. I wasn't going to go here, but I will anyway. For love is from God. You know, in my family, I've seen love exist. I've seen it exist. And, 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 here, and here, here's the catch that you're going, okay, good. 
that I'm the only believer in my family. My family is displaying attributes of God without ever even believing in him. It's crazy. I mean, th- th- think of it this way. How, how, how about this? Um, <laughs> you w- w- will glorify God either by exalting him and worshiping him or by him displaying his perfect justice in you on, on the judgment seat. No matter what, we're displaying God. We have no choice because all love comes from him. It can't exist anywhere else. It comes directly from God because he made it. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. That, that's, that's an interesting statement. You need to let that penetrate you a little bit. Um, now, don't make the mistake of thinking that's all that God is. Okay? Absolutely, he is love. This is his character. This is his deal. He's a lot of things, though, too, because I hear a lot of people say, well, God is love, and that's it. Therefore, um, he wouldn't ever um, call out sin in my life. Or um, he would never let me suffer. Well, that's not true. I think every single person in this room could raise their hand and say, yeah, I've suffered at some point. God is love, and that, that, that is who he is. And you have to understand that he can't help it. I mean, just, just, just think of that. That, that, that God, that the man God, is, is love to his core. You at your best moment of loving is just a glimpse of him. His love is great and surpasses anything that I can even begin to comprehend. Let's go to verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. Catch that that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Does that sound like another verse somewhere else in the Bible? Does that ring a tone? Anybody's has that, the, the light bulb go off? 316, I don't know. You might have heard of it. It's kind of famous. People hold it up at wrestling matches. I still don't really totally get it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> or football games. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. But uh, that's not for tonight. God was made manifest among us. um, That line right there should give, it it acts in a sense, picture it in your head this way. Picture it this way. Is is there certain times when you're reading scripture that God's like, hey, I'm going to pull up the blinds here and I'm going to let you see what I'm talking about because sometimes it's very hard to figure this stuff out. But listen, and and don't don't miss it. This is love of God was made manifest among us. He, he, he was made among us, okay? God was just fine where he was, okay? I've, I talk about this all the time because I don't think it'll ever cease to stop blowing my mind that God chose to become a baby. God needed his diaper changed. 
God was dependent on his mom to feed him. We're talking about the God, Jesus, right? Who we know, if you understand Genesis at all, we see that he is there in the beginning. He wasn't just created. Jesus was existing eternally and forever before he became man. Okay? So he left his throne in complete perfection to become like us. How ridiculous is that? It, it, it is ridiculous, insane, crazy, stupid love is what it is. It is that love that will do anything. I mean, how many, how many of us would leave complete perfection for, 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 for us? Knowing us. Knowing full well that repeatedly we're going to smack him in his face, tell him that our way is better, and continuously live that way, and he's going to go, okay. That grieves me for sure. Don't understand that I'm okay with that, but I'm still going to come. I mean, if you really think about this concept, it should just blow your mind. The fact that God had to walk around I mean, like, wouldn't you just be so tempted to teleport somewhere? I don't know. That's just how I think of it in my head. I mean, he, wait, he, he does that when he comes back. It's great, right? He just shows up and he's like, hey, I'm cooking you breakfast. And the disciples are like, whoa. Or he shows up at somebody's house and like, what are you doing here? Or he just disappears after dinner. I mean, he does that after his resurrection. Cool stuff. But he literally comes during the form as a man. Yes, man. Yes, he is God. Understand that. And he lives that way. It is love that caused him to do that because it makes no sense outside of love. It's big. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. His very being is purely sacrificial. Right? What does he say? It's to come. I did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. I just got cold chills even thinking of that. I mean, I think a lot of times we hear this scripture and we let it sink in maybe for a minute without letting it explode at the back of our head because we can't even fathom it. Maybe too graphic, I don't know. But there's no kids here, we're safe. Um, but it, it should almost do that. It should almost be like you get so frustrated. I mean, like one time I was reading this, and I literally just threw my Bible across the room because I couldn't handle it. Has anybody else ever done that? Am I the only one that's ever done anything like that? Or just yelled or dropped your Bible and just be like, excuse me? For me? Are you serious? Do you know me, God? Are you sure that, that, that we're talking about the same person here? That dude just drove, cut me off, and I threatened his life. And Gunnison, it's not like it was really going to hold me up that long. That's how depraved I am, okay? But he goes, no, Matt, I still love you. You are ridiculous. But here's the crazy thing, so are you. You're no better than me, I guarantee it. I mean, you, you, your list may be better of things that like annoy you, like you hate I don't know, war and things like that, and mine's like cut-off T-shirts and NASCAR. I don't know. It's more righteous than me, but whatever. 
Let's <laughs> get going. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm pretty sure most people listen to Tom's podcast anyway, so I'll be safe. Verse 10. Oh. This is probably currently one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I can't really remember a sermon I've given without referencing this at some point. And this is love. Not that he, not, not, I'm sorry, I just butchered it. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. <laughs> you, you have to catch it. Not that we loved God. You have to understand that your level of love, it's just, well, it's simple, to be honest. And it's not, even the, it's not like we invented it. It's not like we decided one day, oh, hey, guess what? I'll start loving. And it's like, this is a good idea. No, that God made this. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. Again, just crazy stuff, but it's that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Big word, I know, but basically this is where it really comes together. This is where all this, like, why, what, how do I, because, right, he's calling us to love this way, but then it keeps telling us that we can't. What are you telling me, Matt? You're telling me repeatedly that I'm supposed to love God and love my neighbor, but then you just told me that I can't love at the level that God's calling me to love. What do you want me to do with that? Fair question? I mean, I think it all the time. Well, it's really summed up in the second half of this. It says that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What that means is, is that he sent Jesus to be um, a buffer, a guard, a divergence, if you will, okay? A, a, a removal. So imagine, in a sense, it's like, um, it's like a breaker, right, in the ocean. And the wave is coming in, and it could crush the people standing on the beach, but there's a breaker out there that stops it from ever getting to the beach. That's what propitiation means. But it means it in the sense it's that all of your sin, everything that you have done that makes you deserve to be crushed, because we do. I don't know if you know that. And, and trust me, that's not something that like, it's like, oh yeah, Matt, come please tell me I'm depraved and how much I need to be crushed by the wrath of God. That's not a fun, that's not a fun doctrine, okay? I understand that. But, but, but it's good news. Because that breaker in our life is Jesus Christ on the cross. In our place. He took the wrath that God had for our sin. Because the Bible is very clear when it says that God hates sin. That's clear. He says, listen, my love for you is so great that I will absorb that which was meant for you. That's insane but is the ultimate, the ultimate show of love. Hear me, that's what causes men and women across the globe to 
fall to their knees and worship him. That's what causes Christians to be the first people on the ground in Haiti. That's what causes when somebody's kid gets sick or something, Christians to say, we'll cook all your meals for you. That's what causes, which we experienced this last year, a widow in our church who was going to lose everything unless she got $40,000 in a week for the church to say, we'll pay that. That's what causes people to lay down their lives for each other, to do incredible things. Tom told a story of a, of a, of a guy who was in seminary up in Chicago, and this is a true story. And um, He uh, was working part-time as a bus driver to pay for his school, and, uh, and um, basically a gang got on the bus. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what kind of gang or anything like that. I haven't really studied it. But a gang got on the bus, and refused to pay. The guy called the cops. The cops came on, kicked them off the bus. They knew exactly where the bus was going to end up, so they waited for the guy and basically beat the guy within an inch of his life. At their arraignment, they all got busted. The guy who was a seminary student shows up and, 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 and asks the judge if he'd be willing to let him serve all of their sentence together in their place. That's just totally ridiculous. And, and the judge's response to him was, was, there is no precedent for this of ever happening before. And he says, yes, there is. His name is Jesus. It's exactly what he did for me. They didn't let him do it. But do you see how when you, you it's almost like a beautiful infection, if you will. That when you accept Jesus, you get filled with what we call his Holy Spirit. And that Spirit does crazy things. And, and, and the Bible talks about it in this way. It says that it blows wherever it wants. It comes and goes as it pleases. It moves in people in ways that we don't even understand. It causes people to open their wallets and give sacrificially to people who do not deserve it, according to the world's standards. It causes people to say, I don't have any money, but I have service. It co- I mean, it's just insane. Hear me on this. That this is really important. If you, if you don't hear anything else, I just hear this. Cause I know I've said a lot of random things, but hear, hear this. This is being dead serious. Is that Listen, you can't love the way you desire to unless you trust in Jesus to to guide that, to direct that, and empower that. You can't. You know what one of my number one prayers is for my wife? Is this, is, God, I understand how short I fall in loving her. Please, please fill in the gaps. Because I will be insufficient. And understand, me as, a, as one of your pastors here, I will be insufficient. Tom, as one of your pastors here, will be extremely insufficient. We all are. Romans says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
but through his power, we can do just remarkable things. Verse 11. Almost done, I promise. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Doesn't that just seem so much more clear right now? When you understand his sacrifice, when you understand him on the cross, when you understand that, as, as Luther says, it was the great exchange, right? Where um, he became the most vile, ugly thing the world has ever seen for you. It, it's why he yells out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is because he became us. Doesn't that, if you love him, doesn't that just make like everything else pale in comparison to, to like what you're willing to go through? I mean, doesn't it just make you go, I have no reason to not love people extravagantly. I have no reason. And, and, and here's the interesting thing, is people who grasp this and, and people who start to give this, get, get this, they do, they, they, they do things where it's like, it's, they don't have a sense of entitlement. They don't feel owed anything. They don't feel like, well, I've worked hard, so I deserve this. Because they understand that they don't deserve anything, that God has given it free and willingly. Those are the people I love to be around. I want to be more like them. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God. We love one another. God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. If I love you the way that I'm supposed to, it says that God lives in me. It says that his love is made perfect. What's the result of that? I don't know if this was a light bulb moment for me in studying this. How, how will people know our God? How will people know Jesus? By our love for one another is what the Bible teaches. Listen, folks, if we can't love each other in here, then we're just playing a silly game. I, I've worked in this church for about three years now, I, I guess, something like that. Uh, I've been working in ministry for about seven now. And it truly... And, and, and understand, I'm not saying this as somebody has just figured out. I, I'm guilty as well. Church pride from leadership, from right here, trust me, limits the advancement of the kingdom of God. I don't know why you come here. We're, we're so glad that you're here. But listen, if you're here for anything other than Jesus... If you're here because we, you like our music or that we sit in a circle, I don't know. Well, I guess it's a half circle tonight. But Or if it's because you don't like somebody somewhere else, I would encourage you that you need to deal with that. Okay? That's the plan. That's how it's perfected in us is by our love for one another. If we can't get along with each other, how in the world are we going to show this love to a lost and dying world? 
We got to get along. We got to suck it up. We got to stop arguing. We got to get over preferences and we just got to preach the gospel. That one was for free that had very little to do with what I was preaching. There is an action to this. It's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. If somebody's hungry, don't just go, hey, I'll pray for you. Give them something to eat. Okay? They'll get it a lot more. I'm serious. I know it's funny, but it's true. There's action involved in this. If we're all just like, man, that guy looks cold. I'll pray for him that he gets a jacket. That's ridiculous. God has some really strong words in the Old Testament for that kind of garbage. He calls us out and he says, man, there's deed to this. There's action to this. That There's more than just showing up here and hearing this message because th- this is, in all honesty, preaching is greatly important because you see it throughout the Bible where, where, where God comes and he appoints a herald to preach the word so it can go forth. But listen, if you don't do anything with it, then it's wasted. To hear so that what? So you can so we can share it in truth and in deed. So I'm going to give you three quick ways. I'm, I'm not going to beat them to death or anything. To let Jesus love others through you. Understand, this is not the overall comprehensive list. This isn't like, do these three things and it's all done. Okay, we're anti that here. We're just, these are three things that Tom and I think are pretty good starting points, Okay. Number one is you need to love extravagantly. Love extravagantly. What do I mean by this? It's summed up in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to understand that there is nobody out there that should repulse you too much to love. That's hard to grasp. That means for me, and let me share how, 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 what I mean by that, that there's nobody out there. That means somehow, and this proves that it's only in the power of Jesus that this can happen. I'm supposed to love the man that raped my sister. Do you think I want to? Not at all. That's what it's talking about. That is extravagant love. That is loving the person or the people group that repulses you the most. And and, and hear me, I want to be clear. I'm not saying condoning what they always do. Right? Does God condone what we always do? No. Heck no. But he continuously loves us and it says that he will never forsake us. We're to love extravagantly. Number two is we're to love sacrificially. First John three sixteen through 17 sums it up. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
That means that if it's so called you to lay down your life for your brother and sister, that you are called to do it. But chances are, living in America, that's not going to happen. Just being honest, it's probably not going to happen. I almost at times wish it would. Might teach us a lot more about the gospel, but, but we're not in that situation. But if you're willing to lay down your life, you're willing to lay down everything else, right? Money doesn't really matter as much. Uh, security. Um, position in society. These are things in, in, in American culture that we cherish. Are you willing to lay those things down? Listen, I, I understand that we're young here at Bethany. We do a lot of things in the community, and we really try to. Um, but I know on certain Sundays, and, and, and trust me, this isn't the thing everybody loves to hear, and maybe you don't even understand why, so I'd encourage you to dig more into it. If you don't understand it, don't just clam up right away. But um, hear me on this. On some Sundays, we average um, our giving in our church under a dollar a person. It's really hard to reach the community on that because it does cost money. I'm just saying. But then here's the crazy thing is I, I, I know a college student who is, who, who, who's starting to get it and he showed up here. A college student, gr- grasp this. What, what I mean by sacrificial love, this kid wrote this church a $15,000 check last week. That's insane. Listen, I'm not here to beg you for your money. You do what you, what you want with your money, but I'm just saying in general, if you really want to trace your heart in the direction that it's focused in, check your bank statement. I think usually that'll point us in the right direction of what we worship the most. I know it does in my life. I struggle with it greatly. The last one is this. It's to love endlessly. To love endlessly. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think he covered it all. He is our example. Christ is, it, 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 Christ exemplar is, is, is the Greek way of putting it, and it's basically that he is our example. It's one of the attributes of Jesus. And he's saying, listen, nothing can separate. And what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? For those of you married or engaged, when your spouse does not love you, you love them more. That means... When a friend betrays you and hurts you, you love them more. 
You say, Matt, they stole from me. Okay, well, let them have it. Not like let them have it, like don't like go punch them. But let, let them, let, let, give it to them. Like, brother, you needed it that much, you take it. I don't think it's right. But I told him that and he spit in my face. Okay, give him a glass of water. That's what I'm talking about. The love that you have within you and that you're called to give doesn't stop because of circumstance. Doesn't stop because you're tired. Because, right? We say it here all the time loving people is inefficient. You're not going to get back what you put in usually. I'm pretty sure most people in here can go, yeah, that's true. And then that just goes ahead and shows that we, we need help because we just think that we love that person better than they loved us. You're to love endlessly. Can you imagine if our relationships looked at like, man, no height, nor depth, nothing is going to stop my love. That's just crazy. But here's the cool thing is that the love that God calls us to is insane, and he is crazy because what he does is he takes the ugly and makes them beautiful. He takes the unrighteous and makes, makes them righteous. He takes the unclean and makes them clean. He's really good at it too. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a song, but we have a Lord's Supper up here, communion. And, uh, and, and how this works is, is, is really kind of up to you in a sense, but I'm just going to tell you what, what this is about because it's really important, and we take this really seriously here. Um, th- this bread and this grape juice uh, represents our broken, beaten, bloodied Savior. Again, it's, it, it is weird. It's different. But you have to understand that what he called us to do is he said, hey, when you break this bread, do this in remembrance of me, of how my body was broken for you. And that when you drink this cup, which is a new and everlasting covenant, which is just a beautiful statement, that my blood was shed for the remission of all man's sins. Everybody's. So when you drink it, remember what I went through for this. It wasn't for nothing. It is of great importance. So I'd encourage you, if you're not a believer in Jesus, that's okay. I'm, glad, I'm, I'm more happy that you're here than anybody else probably, trust me. But this is something that is reserved for believers. Okay? Nobody's going to judge you if you don't come up and take it. I promise. We'll hit them if they do. But if you are a believer, take this time. There's plenty of times I don't take it myself. Just because my heart's not in the right place. I, I, have, I have unconfessed sin. It, it, the Bible calls us that we need to confess our sin before we do this. That we need to come to him in brokenness. In a sense, apologize. That's what repentance is. Say, God, please help me. I'm too weak to do this. And, and maybe for some of us tonight, it looks like, God, please help me love the way that you're calling us to love. And when you're ready, only when you're ready, come up and feel free to just break off a piece of bread 
Take it as a cup. I encourage you, if you want to take it with people, that's a great way to do it. As a family or friends or whatever, um, it's just pray for each other. It's a beautiful time. It represents um, fellowship and us coming together. Or if you want to do it alone, that's fine too. I encourage you to take your time. They're going to play for just a little while, just without words or anything. Just and uh, take your time. But whenever you're ready, just come on up and uh, take it, and we'll sing a song and we'll get out of here. But let me pray for you, and uh, we'll take this time to get our hearts right. Lord God, you are good, and that is proven in the fact that um, somehow maybe somebody got something out of this craziness I talked about tonight. God, I don't know, just let us meditate on your love for us. How extravagant it is, how sacrificial it is, how endless it is. God, I just pray over these people in here right now that you'll move in their hearts in ways that, that it's like they'll know that they're loved so that they might love others more. And so it's not just something that we keep for ourselves. It's, it's God, I pray that you'll fill these people's cups so full of love that it overflows and spills into their communities. God, I pray that in my own life because I, I really stink at it sometimes. Not good at it. But God, I know it's not about me being good at it. It's about you working in your spirit through me somehow. So God, I pray that for all of us in here, that we'll be very aware of that. And that especially this week, maybe your, your spirit be very present and that we will understand that that's where we get this power from. God, move in us, do a work. God, I pray for those in here who may not know you. I know that... Um, they're not here by coincidence or chance, but it's part of your plan. And so, God, I pray that you would just, the Holy Spirit would just be wrecking them right now to move into a close relationship with you, even if they don't get it, because I'm well, being honest, God, I don't think I'll ever really get it. So, God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for your people. Thank you for the love that we want to have for you. And God, open the floodgates. In your name I pray. Amen.